This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. Greg Mackling in for Richard Cloutier on this Friday. Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister finally spoke out about the situation with Omnitrax, the operator of the rail line that runs to northern Manitoba, essentially from the Paw Street up to Churchill and into Nunavut, southern Nunavut. It's an essential transportation corridor for supplying communities along the way. And this on the heels of, well, Omnitrax hasn't announced anything. In fact, they're not saying anything, but we learned of layoffs and the fact that the Port of Churchill will be handling not one single grain of grain or kernel of grain this summer. Very unusual situation to be sure. Nothing from Omnitrax, and we'd heard nothing really from the government or anybody involved with operation or anybody in negotiation to be in operation of that line. Well, Pallister broke his silence yesterday, and he explained it this way. I haven't got clarity from our legal people as to whether I can say without violating the terms of this agreement and in other agreements. I'm put in a very difficult situation as the Premier of Manitoba. Because I am not, I'm bound by, I'm told, and I am trying to determine to what degree I am bound by an agreement made by the previous administration not to disclose certain information. I do not like being bound. I do not want to cause uh, Manitoba taxpayers to lose an extra dollar. Uh, And I am stuck between two things that are very difficult for me. I'd like to tell you everything. I'd like to tell you everything about this, but I cannot risk at this point, nor will I, risk additional losses being incurred by Manitobans as a result of breaking a legal agreement. Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister is sounding a little bit frustrated. There's more to this story, more that we will learn as we move through next week and maybe through the summer as to the situation, the future of the Port of Churchill, the future of this rail line, and also the secrecy surrounding an $800,000 subsidy to Omnitrax, which has allowed this operator to stay operating, we would be led to believe. We're joined now by Todd McKay, the regional director for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And Todd, when did you learn about this uh, subsidy for Omnitrax? Did you learn along with most of us yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, uh, your reporters did a great job in uh, bringing that news out. That's when I learned about it. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, a well-known uh, fact that uh, that uh, this rail line and Omnitrax uh, specifically have gotten uh, millions of dollars of, of taxpayers' money over the years. That's not a secret. The federal government's given them an awful lot of money uh, over time. Uh, but it is surprising that uh, uh, that this uh, money from the previous uh, uh, provincial government is coming out, and further that we can't get details on it. This is this is taxpayers' money. Uh, we should be able to uh, find out what's going on with it. It's unacceptable that uh, that it's being kept secret. You know, Todd, I can remember back in the day when the first free trade agreement was being negotiated and and in the public eye, and we sort of had a referendum on it in terms of a federal election and free trade has been with us for about 30 years now. But one of the concerns back then was the fact that non-disclosure agreements, legal uh, paperwork and agreements between governments and private corporations 
would be handled in the future, going back 30 years, differently than agreements that are made in the public realm. We're seeing a lot of evidence of that now, including that ridiculous situation where city councillors were asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement uh, before receiving information on the on the rapid transit corridor and and a vote on the on the money uh, the extra money that was going to be needed to buy up parker lands uh, these issues are becoming more commonplace fair to say yeah, I think it's a it's a growing problem. Look, it's one thing for for public officials to have some of these discussions in private. You sometimes you have to work things out, and you've got to float some uh, different ideas uh, between the different parties. But once the deal is done, once the money is set to flow out the door, once money's coming out of your wallet and going somewhere through your taxes, you have the right to know. And uh, uh, our elected officials, particularly, they've got a responsibility. That's why they're there to, A, protect our money, and B, let us know what's going on with it. So, uh, look, next time uh, the uh, council or, uh, or any kind of administration brings forward a non-disclosure type of agreement like that, uh, I hope our elected uh, elected officials come to uh, roll it up tight where to put it. Well, and we saw that uh, from several councillors who refused to enter the meeting and receive the information as they didn't want to sign this document. But it does feel as though these private agreements and and legal paperwork and and legal agreements in the private world seem to trump this public's right to know. You know what, though, it still comes down to a choice by our elected officials. They have to decide whether it's their job to, uh, to provide leadership and, and to take care of our community or whether they're going to relegate that job, uh, hand it over to the lawyers and just do whatever uh, their legal advisors tell them to do. Who's running the city? Who's running the province? Is it lawyers or is it elected officials? If we're living in a, doc- uh, in a democracy, it's elected officials. The lawyers work for them. They need to, uh, to instruct them to act accordingly. Well, but then it gets cloudy, and this is where we get to this whole question of subsidization of private business, private industry that have been brought on board to run something, to execute something the government isn't interested in doing, and the private party wouldn't be interested in doing it unless there was a subsidy involved. That clouds and murkies the waters. Well, you know, I think that gets to a a whole other issue when you talk about subsidies. They simply don't work. And generally, oh, generally, almost uh, um, uh, entirely, the case is that, that they don't work and they cause more trouble than, uh, than they were supposed to fix. And so we've got two examples of that in Manitoba. We've got a pretty simple example with the half a million dollars that went to Maple Leaf for bacon-making equipment. Maple Leaf didn't need that money. That subsidy didn't work because they didn't need it. They had a $34 million expansion going. It's not like they would have walked away if uh, they hadn't got to help themselves to half a million dollars of, of taxpayer subsidy. They didn't need it. It was a waste of money. But on the other hand, the problems in Churchill, those are real problems. It's a very difficult situation because it affects the lives of a lot of people in that community. But at the end of the day, you know, the federal government alone has put in $25 million uh, over five years of subsidies. Even if they doubled or tripled it, is there any chance that those jobs would be more secure than they are today? The reality is it's probably not. Uh, the overwhelming majority, of all, you know, more than 98% of Canada's grain trade goes to ports other than Churchill. Unless you can convince those folks to, uh, to run grain through Churchill, no amount of government money is going to solve the problem. 
And uh, unless we're willing to tell the truth to uh, the folks in Churchill, uh, you know, it's just going to get worse. We've got to say no to uh, to papering over these problems with uh, government money. My point of view is that rail line is essentially an extension of our highway network and that there is an obligation there on the part of the people to pay for part of that. I mean, Churchill as an entity is not going to be an economic standalone. It's impossible. How do we balance, how do we balance that, Todd? Yeah, it, you know, it is a difficult situation, uh, and it's not as uh, clear-cut as some other uh, corporate welfare situations are. But we do have to be realistic about, uh, about the situation. The fundamental problem isn't that the tracks need repairs or that the port is, uh, is outdated. The, the fundamental problem is that there's not economic activity going there. The reason for that town existing to a large degree is, uh, is to uh, handle grain. And if grain's not going to go there, then we've got to reassess uh, the infrastructure needs there. Because no matter how much money you pour into, into that infrastructure, if people don't actually want to use it and make it useful, that money's just not going to be helpful. And at the end of the day, uh, we've got to look at uh, our capacity to do it. Manitoba's running a deficit of $911 million right now. We simply don't have the money. We just don't have it. But there, there, so there's we've more. Got be, uh, we've got to be careful there. Sorry, Todd, but there's more than the port, port there. I mean, Churchill's home to a burgeoning tourism industry uh, that depends on rail. There are other businesses in that community outside of the grain handling uh, facility. And this now is an issue where there are people who have built businesses based on a reliability, a reliable form somewhat uh, of transportation delivery of goods, and that being rail. And now they're learning that instead of Twice a week, they're going to get those goods once a week by rail. And now you've got a whole other industry that's going to be susceptible and at the whim of this operation and this agreement between the province and Omnitrax. Right. And I think this is one area where we've got to look at at creativity and find other ways to solve some of these problems. So just uh, fire hosing money all over Omnitrax, that's already happened a number of times and it hasn't worked. Right. So let's not keep doing that. Right. Now, I agree. there are lots of communities in the north uh, that deal with very difficult transportation issues uh, and still continue to do business, particularly in tourism, uh, you know, flying uh, folks in for hunting and fishing, that kind of stuff. You know, look, I'm not an expert. I don't live uh, on, on fixing this particular problem. I'm not, uh, I don't live in Churchill, and I'm not going to tell them what to do. But what I am going to say is spending millions and millions of dollars uh, uh, on Omnitrax to try to fix a problem uh, that ultimately can't be fixed by government money, that's not going to make things better for them. It is absolutely appropriate to talk to, to talk to the folks out there to try to find ways to do things in new ways, to find new opportunities and recognize the difficulties there. But fire hosing money all over Omnitrax, that's just going to be money that's gone. That's not going to help. Could not agree with you more on on that final point, Todd. Why do we have this culture in Canada of supporting and propping up private industry? You mentioned Maple Leaf. Great example. There was no chance that they were leaving, pulling up stakes here. But in traditional situations, do we have jurisdictions who are competing with one another saying, I'll give you that, Uh, Kingston's going to give you this, Calgary's going to give you that, Winnipeg will give you this for this type of business? Why can't we just collectively say enough is enough? Well, there's two things on that. First of all, why did they spend half a million dollars on Maple Leaf? So politicians could go to the opening. That's what it was. It was a half a million dollar ticket. Uh, so that's why it happened. 
But there is another competitiveness issue that, that we need to keep in mind. If you have a lower corporate business tax than your neighbors, uh, now you've got a competitive advantage that's real, that people can bank on for the long term, and that businesses will take advantage of because they've got a good idea, not because they've got a buddy in cabinet. And that's what, uh, that's what we need to do. And if other, if other uh, jurisdictions want to have a bidding war so that they can do ribbon cuttings, let them have it. If you, if you make your uh, jurisdiction competitive, you're going to create jobs. You're going to create jobs that last, and you're going to give oppor- uh, entrepreneurs the best opportunities to put their good ideas into action and serve their community. So really, competitiveness is exa- exactly the right word, but don't get in a bidding war with people who don't care about taxpayers' dollars. Do the right thing and, uh, and make a fair level playing field with everybody. Uh, and let them go out there and put their good ideas into action. Todd McKay, I always appreciate uh, your candor. Uh, great to converse with you. Thanks for your insight on this one. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Todd McKay, he is the Prairie Director for the Canadian Taxpayer Federation. I'm Greg Mackling, in for Richard Cloutier. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB.